Our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 2, selected verses in Hebrews chapter 2. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. Great to see you all this morning. Thank you for being here this morning. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship. And uh, if you're visiting this morning, a special welcome to you. We're so grateful you're here this morning. We get kind of a double, double whammy. We get to celebrate the Lord's Day and celebrate Christmas all together. So what a privilege we have to do that together this morning. I am going to pray for us and... Um, And then we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we come to you this Christmas morning. And Father, for some of us, we've we've heard numbers of Advent or Christmas messages. We've sung many Christmas songs. Father, for others of us, this may be the first one we've heard in some time. Father, whether we've heard many or few Father, we come this morning knowing that we need you. We need the good news of the Christmas message. And Father, I pray this morning for myself and for all my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, we need your spirit to give life to your words and these words. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to breathe life and revive our hearts. So would you enable us this morning to hear you speak And to respond appropriately, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Bill Deacon was a winchman for a Scottish rescue helicopter. In November 1997, a cargo ship ran aground on the rocks off the coast of Scotland. Wave after wave pounded the ship. Lifeboats were sent, but they couldn't reach the ship to save or rescue the crew members trapped on board. The only way to rescue the crew members was a descent. Using the winch, Bill would would be lowered from the helicopter into the dangerous conditions on the ship. With waves and wind threatening, Bill connected two crew at a time to the winch, and they were raised to safety. As the final two crew members were being lifted to safety, a massive 50-foot wave swept over the deck and carried Bill into the raging sea and to his death. Bill Deacon went down into danger and death to rescue these desperate crew members. 
At Christmas, we celebrate the true story of God descending into danger and death to rescue desperate people like you and like me, people who cannot rescue themselves. In Jesus, God descends from heaven to earth by taking on a human nature to rescue his people. In Hebrews chapter 2, we learn four reasons why it was necessary for God to become man to accomplish this rescue. Four reasons why it was necessary for God to become man to accomplish this rescue. First, we learn that God had to become man to be your champion, to be your champion. Hebrews 2.10 says this, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. This passage calls Jesus the founder of our salvation. That word founder there can also be translated champion. A champion is a person who fights or competes on behalf of someone else. And in many respects, the Bible is a tale of two champions. Our first champion, Adam, failed. Created to enjoy God and reflect God's glory, Adam lost this glory by choosing to ignore and reject God. Adam chose to live life apart from God. Adam's sin had consequences for all of us. For one thing, Adam's sin infected all of us with the sin virus. We all choose to ignore and reject God. We choose life apart from God. We've all lost the glory. For another, Adam's sin introduced pain, suffering, and death into God's good creation. The Bible sums it up like this. In Adam, all die. Shortly after Adam's fall, God promised a new champion, a second Adam, if you will. But this new champion needed to be free of the sin virus. So God became man to be your new champion. Jesus willingly descended into danger and death, the danger and death of this world. As our new champion, he fought temptations, he experienced suffering, and he even experienced death. But where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Jesus loved God and loved others perfectly every moment of his life. Jesus recovered the glory that was lost. And because Jesus never sinned, death could not hold him. He was raised from the dead in a glorious resurrection body. As our new champion, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has consequences for everyone who's connected to him by faith. The Bible sums it up like this. In Jesus, all shall be made alive. We understand connection to a champion. Every four years, the world's best soccer teams Football, for you purists, right? Is Gilmar or Joe here this morning? They would not appreciate me calling it soccer. Every four years, the world's best football teams compete in the World Cup. Every country selects their team, their champion, to represent them on the soccer field. Last Sunday, it was last Sunday, right? Argentina beat 
France in the World Cup final. And what that means is the people of Argentina, the people of Argentina can say, we won, we're champions, right? The people of Argentina, for them, their team's victory, their champion's victory is their victory. It's like that with Adam and Jesus. You're either on team Adam or team Jesus. In Adam, all die. In Jesus, all will be made alive. Jesus is the champion who conquered sin, suffering, and death. And the good news is that God gives you the victory over these through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're like me, you probably don't feel like a champion this morning especially when it comes to sin, right? Your struggle with sin over and over and over again. I keep failing over and over again. You may not feel like a champion in your struggle with sin, but Jesus' victory over sin ensures your victory over sin. You may not feel like a champion this morning in your struggle with suffering. You know, there's one more loss one more betrayal, one more sickness. But Jesus' victory over suffering ensures your victory over suffering. You may not feel like a champion this morning. Your body may be breaking down. You may be aging. You may be facing death or maybe even the death of a loved one. But Jesus' victory over death ensures your victory over death. None of these, sin, neither sin, nor suffering, nor death, can separate you from the love of God now, and none of those things will have the final word in your life in the future. Christmas is the celebration that God became man to rescue you. First, it was necessary for God to become man to be your champion. Second, it was necessary for God to become man to deliver you from death, to deliver you from death. We see this in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. The author of Hebrews says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through, through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Since God cannot die, Jesus took on a human nature to deliver you from death by dying in your place. Jesus willingly laid down his life and died the death you and I deserve. Because of his sacrificial death, the Bible tells us that all our sin, past, present, and future, is forgiven. It's like having a $10 billion credit card debt, right? A debt that none of us could pay. I don't think any of you could pay that in this room, right? It's like having a $10 billion credit card debt, a debt we cannot pay, paid off by a gazillionaire that loves us. This means that the devil can no longer legitimately accuse you. Here's why that's significant. In this passage, the fear of death is not primarily a fear of dying. The fear of death in this passage refers to what happens after death, and that is judgment. 
God spells it out clearly later in the book of Hebrews. God says this, it is appointed for every one of us to die once, then comes judgment. But because Jesus died in our place to forgive our sins, we no longer have to fear the judgment our sins deserve. Jesus' death for us means that every last penny of judgment has been paid. We're free. You are free this morning. Amen. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a dear friend of mine, now 94 years old. As we were talking, she shared that death, the the oncoming, the reality of death, reminded her of many regrets in her life. Things that she should have done that she failed to do. Things that she did that she shouldn't have done. She mentioned that it wasn't dying that scared her, but this fear of judgment, this this sense that she will give an account for her life. Deep down, she knew intuitively that after death comes judgment. And I think if we're honest, deep down, we all know we will give an account for our lives. But God became man to deliver us from death by his death. And so the Bible says, God says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no fear of judgment. In his song, The Fourth of July by Sufjan Stevens, the outro ends with this repeated lyric, we're all gonna die, we're all gonna die. We're all going to die. How's that for a Merry Christmas? (laughs) We're all going to die. Sex used to be the topic we avoided. Now it's death. And here's the thing. I think, honestly, we're all in denial. We all kind of think we're the special exception to death. but we're all gonna die. You're gonna die. I'm gonna die. And rather than avoid death, we should let the reality of death provide clarity for our lives. Death reminds us of what really matters. Reflecting on our own death can help us listen to God. And here's what the God-man Jesus Christ says to us in death, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who believes in me shall never die. So don't avoid death. Let it help you listen to God because God became man to deliver you from death. Christmas is the celebration that God became man to rescue you. So far, we've learned that it was necessary for God to become man to be your champion and to deliver you from death. Hebrews 2 also tells us that it was necessary for God to become man to rescue you from wrath. To rescue you from wrath. 
Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore he, that's Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The word propitiation means to divert wrath. Divert wrath. In the Old Testament, the high priest offered an animal sacrifice for the people and sprinkled the blood before God. In this way, God's wrath was diverted from the people to the animal. God accepted the death of the animal in place of the people, and this enabled the people to be in God's presence. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah tells us that these animal sacrifices ultimately pointed toward the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In Isaiah 53, we read this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross, God's wrath was diverted from us to his son. This means that all God's wrath, all of his right anger against us for our sin, was poured out on Jesus instead of us. So there's no more anger. God's anger was completely exhausted. And that means we're at peace with God. We can safely be in his presence. Look, it's 2022, right? Some, some are offended by this idea of God's wrath. But listen, wrath is simply God's holy hatred against evil. Wrath is simply God's holy hatred of evil. We see echoes of that in ourselves, right? And even in our culture. Created in the image of God, we're angry at racial injustice. We're angry at rape. We're angry at child abuse. And rightly so. It's because we love that we're angry at those things. And it's because God loves that he's angry at injustice and evil in every form. God became man to rescue you from wrath. God places the wrath we deserve on his son. And not only that, he takes the righteousness that Jesus has earned and places it on us. We get clothed in Jesus' righteousness. He gets our wrath. So not only are we rescued from wrath, but we are also justified. That's the word the Bible uses. We're justified. We're counted righteous. We have God's favor. Here's what that means for you this morning. You can rest. In Jesus Christ, you have God's acceptance now. He welcomes you into his presence so you can rest from trying to measure up. 
You can rest from trying to prove your goodness. You can rest from trying to prove your worth and your value. Here's something I think I know about you. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know it about myself. You spend most of your life trying to justify yourself. So do I. We use parenting, work, sports, school, romance, anything to prove we're enough, but it's never enough. But God became man to rescue you from wrath so that you can rest. So far we've learned that it was necessary for God to become man to be your champion, to deliver you from death, to rescue you from wrath. Finally, it was necessary for God to become man to help you in trials. To help you in trials. Hebrews 2.18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The word translated tempted there can mean trials, temptations, tests. Jesus descended into the danger and death of our world and experienced all of those things. He knows the grief of losing a loved one. He knows the pull of fame and power. He knows the stab of betrayal. He knows what that feels like. Because, and because he's experienced these, he's a merciful, compassionate and sympathetic helper. And he's a present help. I love John Stott. I've, I've made this phrase my own, but Stott says this, Jesus is not a dead teacher, but a resurrected reality. He's a reality that each of us can know and experience for ourselves. After Jesus returned to his heavenly Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to take his place, and the Spirit brings Jesus out of history and into personal experience. So through the indwelling Spirit, Jesus helps us in trials and temptations and tests. And Jesus is eager to help. The word translated there, help, carries the idea of a helper that moves toward you. Right? A helper that moves or runs toward you. Jesus is not the kind of helper that when you need help says, are you, are you kidding me? Not again. That's the kind of helper we are, right? Are you kidding me? Not again. That's not what he's like. He's an eager helper. He runs toward you in your suffering and in your sin. God became man to help you in trials. None of us knows what 2023 will bring. But I think we know it will bring trials, temptations, tests. Because Jesus said so. But through the Holy Spirit, Jesus also promises to be a present help. So no matter what the new year brings, we know this. We are not alone. You are not alone. Christmas is the celebration that God became man to rescue 
you. In Jesus, God came for you. Nick, in Jesus, God came for you. Kobe, in Jesus, God came for you. He wants you, every one of you. But here's the key question. How does Jesus become your champion, your deliverer, your rescuer, your helper? So glad you asked that question. The answer is you must respond. The answer is that Jesus becomes yours when you receive him by faith. And here's the thing about faith. Faith in Jesus begins where faith in yourself ends. Faith in Jesus begins where faith in yourself ends. For the desperate crew on the cargo ship, they were out of other options. They couldn't save themselves. They were out of other options. They had one hope for rescue, and that was that cable on that winch. And they trusted the winch to save them. They rested the whole weight, their whole weight on the winch and trusted that it would deliver them to safety. Faith in Jesus is like that. Faith in Jesus actively receives and then rests in all that Jesus is for you. And faith in Jesus begins where faith in yourself ends. When all is said and done, the Christian life is this, receiving and resting in Jesus over and over and over again. So on this Christmas morning, I invite you, each of you, to receive and rest in Jesus. For some of you this morning, maybe that's for the first time. For others, maybe for the 500th time. Whether for the first time or the 500th time, receive and rest in Jesus now to be your champion, your deliverer, your rescuer, your helper. Let me pray. Our Father and our God, we come again as needy people needing this message to be sunk into our hearts. Father, we, we acknowledge that we're distracted, we're busy, there's lots of things even maybe today, that are worrisome. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, help us to freshly or for the first time receive Jesus and rest in him? Would you bring us to the end of ourselves and bring us to faith in Jesus Christ? We thank you for this Christmas morning. We give you thanks and praise for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.